Welcome to episode 12 of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree. I work for Senior Helpers, a company providing in-home care in Central Florida. In addition to working in the senior care industry, I've spent six years as a family caregiver. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. She's Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, a Positive Approach to Care certified trainer and consultant, and a former family caregiver with over 25 years of experience in the adult aging industry. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to us, not our wonderful employers and sponsors and guests. If you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Before making any significant changes in you or your person's life, please consult your own experts. Now, today we're going to talk with Todd Roberts. He's a mortgage planning professional at AAG about reverse mortgages. They kind of used to be a bad thing. At least that's what we thought. So we're going to dig into that to see what they are and how they can actually help pay for care. That's all coming up right after this. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care. The Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, Senior Helper's Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. And we're back. Our guest today, Todd Roberts of AAG. If you're going AAG, that's the company with Tom Selleck as (laughs) your spokesperson. So easy way to remember that now. (laughs) Yeah. Todd, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Very happy to be here. Good, good. So back in the day, reverse mortgages had a bad reputation. Edith, you had a bad story. Yeah, very bad reputation. Years ago, when I used to work for a particular area agency on aging, we actually would not allow mortgage professionals to come in and even talk to our people about reverse mortgages because they had such a bad reputation. So let's uh, let's dispel those myths and show how they can help people. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. So you guys know this better than I do, but the the cost of care for our, our aging relatives and for people in our society is is doing nothing but growing higher month over month, year over year. And what we find is that there are many, many people who are uh, house rich and cash poor. There are a lot of folks today that <clears throat> haven't really planned properly for retirement or because of things that have happened in the market don't have the foundation they thought they had. And so they've become much more open-minded to exploring ways to manage the equity they've got to try to accomplish some of their financial goals as they age. Right. And let's talk about that. You know, I pulled some research from Genworth, and this is 2021, where they put the average cost of an assisted living facility, private one bedroom, at $4,000 a month. Just let that settle in. $4,000 a month. And Edith and I were talking, and we're like, that's that's your bare bones. Right. That doesn't include any additional services. Right. Um, that includes essentially room and board. Um, absolutely does not include any type of care for someone living with a dementia-related illness. Right. Right. So, of course, that's what we talk about a lot. So, right. you know, obviously nobody thinks they're going to end up in an assisted living facility, but according to this research, seven out of 10 people will require long-term care, whether that's in-home or in a facility. And it's 
$4,000 a month. I know. Yeah. I know. I can't afford that for a mortgage, trust right? me, or rent. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. it's not going down. No, no. It, it's dramatically increasing very quickly. So now that we know it's a big expense and many of us don't plan for it with long-term care, which should be purchased in midlife, I would say. So now we're stuck. We've got a big expense coming up and our big asset is the home. So what do we do? If, if it's okay, I'm going to answer that by telling you a story. I'm working with a client right now. He's in his early 70s. His wife has had, Edith, this is really pertinent in your situation. His wife is an Alzheimer's patient. She was diagnosed six years ago. He has two or three people that come into the home and provide care. He sold an insurance agency that he owned. And he, if, if by the measure that all of us usually take, you would think he did everything right. He mm-hmm. had significant assets set aside for retirement. He had pension. He had Social Security. But because of the cost of the care at age 72, he is now going back to work in the insurance agency that he sold six years ago. Oh. And and just like you're saying, the $4,000 a month, the in-home care, all of the costs are increasing. He's trying to do right by his wife. He owns his house free and clear. And at 72 years old, he's probably not going to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week like he did when he was younger. So right. it's it's been a very appropriate supplement to the other income he's able to bring in to help provide for end-of-life care for his wife. Um, so that's one of the ways that folks are using reverse mortgages to address this need. Okay. So let's say maybe a decade ago, a lot of it was just kind of the wild, wild west, as I understand it. And finally, we've had some uh, reforms put into place. So things have improved greatly. In 2015, 2016, there were some regulatory changes. It's made the product a lot safer for homeowners. It's made the product safer for lenders. It's essentially made it safer for all of us. So it's, it's a much more appropriate solution for a lot of folks these days. Okay, so do you guys just take the home away? We don't own the home. We never take the home away. Quite frankly, the, the lien and how the title works on the home is no different than it would be if with a traditional mortgage like you all might have. So if you have a mortgage now, you have a lender that has a lien on your title. If we have a reverse mortgage with a client, there's a lien on the title. And when that house gets sold or when that client passes away, then the loan gets paid off. But the, the, the homeowner still gets the proceeds of the loan or the heirs get the proceeds. I'm sorry, of the loan. Uh, the heirs get the proceeds of the sale after the home sells. We don't ever own the house. We don't want to own the house, no more so than any traditional mortgage lender wants to own a house. When you say... Um the, the heirs can inherit and the loan gets paid off. Is that mom died yesterday and I've got to come up with $300,000 tomorrow? Fortunately, no. There's there's time built in for the heirs to either... The heirs may determine they want to refinance the home and somebody in the family keep it, or they may determine that they want to sell the home. Either way, we just ask them within 90 days to begin to pursue one of those solutions. If at that point they're not... They're, they don't have it finished, but they're clearly working towards a solution, we'll provide more time. Once again, the last thing we ever want to do is own a house. And do you have to have the house paid off? You do not have to have the house paid off. That's a, that's a misconception is that you have to have a free and clear home. There are plenty of folks that have homes that have a $100,000 loan on them that are worth $400,000. There's certainly some equity there that could be put to, to use in dealing with end-of-life care or in-home care before they reach that point. So they absolutely do not have to own the home free and clear. There just has to be enough equity to be able to help provide a solution. So if you own a home with a mortgage, 
Listen, use your example, $100,000 mortgage, but I've got maybe $300,000 in equity. Is my original lender for the mortgage that I'm paying today, how does that work if I say I want to enter into a reverse mortgage contract? So uh, imagine for a moment we were doing a traditional mortgage for somebody in that situation. We would have to pay off the existing loan. The same thing happens with a reverse mortgage. They won't have the existing loan and a reverse mortgage. The reverse mortgage will become the only loan on the property. I see. Okay, thank you. Excellent. All right. We're going to have more questions and answers with Todd Roberts with AAG right after this. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center has served as a central Florida based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia related illness. The ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skill, and strategies through a variety of programs to help them confidentially prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit their website at adrccares.org. That's adrccares.org. And we're back. We are talking with Todd Roberts. He's a mortgage planning professional with AAG. That's the Tom Selleck represented company. I just get warm and fuzzy just thinking about him. (laughs) But focus, Robin. (laughs) We're talking about using reverse mortgages to help pay for care. Now, you've done the reverse mortgage. Do you have to use that money? Like, are you tracking where that money goes? We don't don't track where the money goes. It's... I'll refer an awful lot to traditional mortgages. If you do a cash-out refinance on a traditional mortgage, nobody asks you or nobody requires you to document what you did with the money. You might have to write a simple letter at the time of closing saying what the money's for, but after you close, nobody follows up on that. Same thing is true here. It is your money. Equity in your property, whether you use a traditional mortgage to access it or a reverse mortgage, it's still equity in your property, and you can more or less do what you want with it. So you could use it to pay one of your children, adult children, help, to help care for you. There's no tracking of receipts or absolutely, anything. Absolutely. It's your money. And how about taxes? There's it, Again, we'll, we'll revert to the traditional mortgage example. If you've ever done a cash-out refinance transaction on a home that you own, you'll know that you don't get a 1099 for that money. Cash-out refinance transactions are tax-free. In, it's not income, so we shouldn't call it tax-free income. Let's just say it's not subject to any tax. And the same would be true here. You're just simply accessing the equity in the property through a little bit different means. It's still equity in the property. It's still your money, and nobody is going to track that, and there's not going to be a tax implication. With regard to reference to the property, um, at least I think of a traditional site-built single-family home unattached, but um, do reverse mortgages work for any owned property, condominiums, townhomes, um, manufactured homes? Yes and no. Most reverse mortgages are FHA-insured loans. Uh, I believe the loan limit for reverse mortgages for 2022 is 922.5. I'm sorry, loan limit. That would be the max value. Anything over that value would be a, a different product. But anything under 922.5, which is the majority of most of the properties, certainly in this area, um, those are going to be FHA-insured mortgages. So 
the only restrictions on the property types are the same types of restrictions we would have on a traditional FHA loan. So for example, there are some condominiums that are not FHA eligible. There are occasionally you'll have properties where you might have maintenance requirements that affect FHA eligibility. So beyond just normal FHA eligibility, to answer your question, there's really not any limitations on properties. It has to be residential property. Um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA can be up to a two to four unit property. I believe we can do the same thing. Once you exceed four units, you're talking about a commercial property. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Right. I'm Some sorry. that went over my head. So <laughs> what would the 9225, put the comma in that for me. So I know. $922,500. If the okay. property's valued over that, we've now exceeded the FHA limit for reverse mortgages. And we do have products that address that. Now, typically when we're dealing with that kind of product, we're dealing with higher net worth individuals who may be using the reverse mortgage to to draw equity out of the property and keep their their assets that are performing for them wherever they are now. That would be their motivation. Oh. If they're earning a nice percentage on their investments, you know, most a lot of people in that situation might think, well, I've just got to start depleting my investments. Well, if the if the investments are doing well and you can access equity in your property that's simply trapped, essentially trapped to, to address these needs, then why touch the money that's making me money? Your yeah. house is going to grow in value whether you use the equity or not. It's not dependent upon what you do with the equity, how much the house grows in value. Your portfolio is dependent on how much is in there. And talking about that, how much the house grows in value, right here, right now, 2022, here, at least in Central Florida, buying a home is a trick because People, you know, you get the appraised value and people are outbidding that. So when we talk about the 9225, who determines that? The market that is going crazy right now or an, an independent appraiser who says, I don't care what the market says, here's what this home is worth. So just like traditional mortgages, we're required to order an appraisal. We order all of our appraisals through third-party management companies called appraisal management companies. They were created uh, as a follow-up to a court case in 2012 between the state of New York and a few other states and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. What they said was, if you remember back in 08, 09 when the market mm. crashed, they felt like people that had a vested interest in the transaction, so people like me, real estate agents, sometimes homeowners, they had a vested interest in getting a higher value to the property. The result of that court case was that we're no longer allowed to have direct communication with appraisers. We have to go through intermediaries. So whether it's a traditional mortgage or a reverse mortgage, we order appraisals through those companies. It's randomly assigned to an appraiser in their rotation, and the appraisers have complete independence, not only from from people with a vested interest in the transaction, but they're, they're, they're going to focus not so much on market trends. Appraisers, and I won't go too much into this, but there's two ways that appraisals are, are determined, replacement cost value and market sales comparison approach. They do it both ways, and then they make a determination on which one is most applicable. In most cases in the market we're in today, the market sales comparison approach ends up driving value. So the market does impact values, but the appraiser still has an independence and is going to hopefully come up with a, a independent third-party, you know, non-vested valuation on what the property is worth. Okay, good to know. Thank you. So you've gone really into the logical side of it, but let's do the emotional and get back to the adult child who's like, okay, I can't pay for mom and dad's care. They can't pay for it, but it's the family house. So explain it in those terms that, you know, you're are you selling the house? What What is this doing? The house is simply serving as collateral for the loan, no differently than a traditional mortgage. There are four events that would require that loan to be paid in full. Either the homeowner passes away. If it's a married couple, the last of the two passes away. Then that would trigger uh, the loan being due. If 
taxes or insurance go unpaid, that would trigger the loan being due. If the house is sold, that would trigger the loan being due. And last but not least, the owners have to occupy the house at least 181 days a year. So that could trigger the home being sold. Now, forgive me, I'm saying the, the home being sold, the loan being paid off. That could be done by a refinance of the heirs. So if it's the family home, mm-hmm. the heirs may choose to refinance that property so they can keep it in the family. Or the heirs can determine if they want to sell that home if mom or dad or when mom or dad pass away. Okay, so you're using it to pay for home care because you want to stay at home. What happens when it's too much and you need to go to an assisted living facility? Okay, so if it's time for mom or dad to go to assisted living and they're not going to occupy the property 181 days a year anymore, at that point, we're going to give the family some options. Do you guys want to sell the property? Do you want to refinance it into somebody else's name so you can keep it in the family? So those are certainly options. Just like I said before, we're not going to hold a gun to their head and tell them they have to do it right away. We may ask them to show us that they're working on it to to keep the whole process moving. All right. And you're going to make sure they aren't financing for more than what it's worth. Again, we, we talked about the regulatory changes that made the product safer for homeowners and lenders. That's a lot of what that had to do with. So we talked about this being an FHA insured mortgage. What that means is it's a non-recourse loan. That means the government, FHA, is essentially on the hook in the event that that house can't be sold for what's owed on the property, neither the homeowner nor their heirs will ever be required to make up the difference. The Ooh. FHA mortgage insurance protects them from that eventuality. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. When we talk about going into an assisted living facility, but more so sometimes people end up having to go into a skilled nursing facility, here comes the ugly specter of Medicaid. So now we have this, I'm going to say, financial complication of a reverse mortgage. How does that fit with Medicaid and the five-year look back? And mm, is that something we should say to people, oh, your elder law attorney is a good, good person to answer that? I typically refer people for questions like that to an elder law attorney or an estate planning attorney. Um, yeah, that's that's an area probably outside of my expertise. I, yeah. I have some ideas on that only because I've got a relative right now who's in assisted living, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, I don't think that's an area where I should speculate. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So folks, get thee to an elder law attorney, yeah. one that's certified. Because Medicaid, I mean... Every state is business, different. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I still don't really understand it. So. Well, because every state is different and every situation is different. Right. You know, we're talking about impoverishing the, the community spouse. That doesn't happen in this type, and it can happen in that type. It's, it's a mess. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you. Yes, your Certainly. elder law attorney. <laughs> yes. can, I add, can I add one thing? You mentioned the impoverished spouse. Again, with a reverse mortgage, the reverse mortgage stays in effect until the last of the two passes away or needs to move out. So, you know, if you had one... Uh, husband or wife who needed to go to assisted living and one who wanted to remain in the home, I don't believe that would create any need for them to make a, a decision or make a move or anything like that. Because the way the loan's set up, it's, it's, it's again, it's no different than a traditional loan. If if one person leaves, the other person still occupies that house. That's a really important distinction and something people yeah. would need to know and take into consideration. And again, I would still involve the elder law attorney, the estate planner, et cetera, you know, oh, all yeah. those sorts mm-hmm. of things. But there's not necessarily, just because one person needs to go to a greater level of care doesn't mean the other person's life has to be turned upside down any more so than it already will be. Because too many couples, and I know, Robin, you see it too, too many couples end up with the, we say, community spouse being impoverished because they don't have um, the finances, quite frankly, to see the sicker spouse through the ALF, the assisted living care. Um, And it's 
it's really, really hard to see, and there's not a lot of good services out there. But anyway, that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But I, I love that there is another way, if you do help own at least part of your home, you know, it's mm-hmm. got some equity in it, then you can use it to pay for this care. And you can, correct me if I'm wrong, take out $100,000, and if you've spent through that, you can come back as long as there's still equity and get more. Yes, there's a few ways you can do that, depending on, and, and without going into all the details on how loans get structured, there are a couple of different ways loans can get structured. Probably the most common way that we close reverse mortgages today include a line of credit. That line of credit allows them to go pull equity out mm-hmm. as needed, and that line of credit also grows over time. So um, not only do they have an, a starting amount of credit they have available, but but you know depending on how quickly they use it and how much they just leave the equity alone, it can grow. And that line of credit could be substantially different 10, 20 years from now than it is at the get-go. There are reverse mortgages where you take a lump sum at closing and there's not a line of credit. In that case, when you run out of money, you can certainly come back and you can do a, a, a reverse mortgage is actually called a home equity conversion mortgage. That's what FHA calls it. So it's a heckum. So there's such a thing as a heckum to heckum refi <laughs> where you can come back in and say, hey, my house has grown in value. I want more money. You can do that. Uh, the line of credit allows for that along the way, but it can also be more expensive because it's tied to a variable rate where the lump sum is a fixed rate. And a lot of people at that stage in their life are afraid of variable rates for good reason. Yeah. Okay. Whew. My brain is hurting. Sorry. I know. I know. It does sound, though, with the explanation you just gave, that taking out the um, version that allows for home equity line of credit might be more beneficial for the heirs in the long run because the less taken out, the less has to be paid back. It yes? potentially leaves more equity. I'll tell you what else it does. And, and a lot of people in this situation say, well, maybe I should just go get a home equity line of credit at the bank. You mentioned the home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. Prior to coming to AAG, I worked at one of the major banks for four and a half years. And I can tell you that the major banks, when there's economic downturns or when anything happens where maybe somebody's finances get shaky, they can arbitrarily change the terms of your equity line. You can have a $100,000 equity line and the bank can send you a letter tomorrow saying for reasons X, Y, and Z, you now have $40,000 available. Uh, Beyond that, a problem that a lot of folks at this stage in life run into is that they don't have the income they had during their working years. It is surprisingly difficult for a lot of people that might... I had a gentleman that owned a home worth $450,000 before I left the bank that I worked for. He came in to see me one day after he retired from a job where he made $240,000 a year. He had not begun drawing any of his pension, and all he had was $2,500 a month Social Security. Mm-hmm. And even though he owned a $450,000 house free and clear, I could not give him a $25,000 equity line. So a lot of folks at this stage in life find it much more difficult to qualify for something that's always been a given during their working years. And one of the nice things about reverse mortgages for people at this stage of life and with that kind of challenge is that both credit scores nor income are far less important or matter much less than they do on a traditional mortgage. It's really all about the equity. Oh, that's an excellent point. I hadn't even thought about that. Wow. Learning a lot today. Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. And I do, another reason I like that, the line of credit, which has its ups and downs, is that having been a caregiver, you have no idea how many years you're going to be paying for care, if it's going to go up, if, you know, it's just such an uncertainty. And especially when you're talking about um, paying for care, especially now, mm. um, and in, in particular types of situations like dementia with Lewy bodies. Yes. You don't know what new opportunities may arise that are backed in science, that are beneficial 
without naming names, mm-hmm. there's one out there right now that's about $36,000 mm. um, that he has some pretty strong um, correlations with being successful. And it's $36,000 a year, but if you don't have it, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's going to be out of your pocket because nobody's covering it yet. So that home equity line of credit, which I realize is the wrong term, but right. that would be um, potentially a real benefit to a family that was trying to do that. So keeping up with the newest of the new mm-hmm. instead of just maintaining status quo with regard to interventions that matter and make a difference. Right. I'm struck by something when you guys are talking that, you know, most people try to plan for these things. I've been doing this for 20 years, and there was a gentleman the first year I was in this business that taught me a saying that certainly has applied in my business, and I imagine it applies even more in yours. He said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Oh, And, um, yes. you know, the, People think they know what they're doing, but then they get thrown curveballs that they could never anticipate. So I, I, the older I get, the more what I want more than anything else as I get older is I want options and choices. I don't want somebody to tell me I have to do X, Y, or Z. I want to be able to decide. And so one of my goals in working with the clients I work with is I just want to preserve their options. I'm not going to tell them what to do. They can decide that. But I, I love being able to help people decide what they want to do and not be forced into one direction or another. Right. I love that, especially some people feel so strongly about staying at home. And if there is a way to pay for that using that very home that they love so much, I think it's fantastic. My own father, when I said to him, Dad, what do you want? Mm-hmm. He said, I want to die in my own home. And he did. Oh, right. Yeah. Such a blessing to be yeah. able to. So honor there's that. just a Amen. little bit of I'm going to say a quiet joy knowing that he achieved his his goal, his purpose. But what you said about choices, and I can't help but make this correlation, holds through all our lives, through regardless of what illness we may have developed, especially the world of dementia. We teach people, even in the very end, give a choice. So you're so right. And thank you for ensuring that in our society, right? Choices is so powerful and can actually contribute to the good health of people. Exactly. Exactly. So Todd, I'm sure every, every personal story has different answers. So if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? The best way to reach me is by my cell phone. It's 321-947-1870. Go ahead and say it again. 321-947-1870. I can also be reached by email. My email address is T-O, the first two letters of my first name, T-O Roberts with an S on the end at AAG.com. And AAG.com is where you can find just more general information. Correct. And if you happen to need an in-home consultation and I come to see you, I'll bring you a deck of Tom Selleck playing cards. Well, well now there's a that. reason, yeah. But our listeners in Germany may take you up on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We it's really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. It. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging. Tell your friends and family about us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at informed underscore aging. Facebook, you'll find us facebook.com slash informed aging. Email informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That is it for now. We're looking forward to our next visit.